Hello, friends. My name is Joe Irwin Bettner, and this is the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast. It has been a little bit since we have recorded. Just a crazy time for Oklahoma football. I feel like every time, uh, you know, I sat down to record a podcast, it just felt like something was imminent, uh, you know, kind of waiting to happen with a Caleb Williams decision, uh, Jackson Dart decision, uh, you know, a coaching hire. And a few of those things have come to fruition as far as, you know, Brent Venables putting his staff together. Uh, and we will, you know, kind of get more into that uh, next week uh, with, with that pod. But just as far as some of the player movement uh, has been kind of a nightmare to keep up with just because decisions uh, have yet to be made on the Caleb Williams front. And obviously Oklahoma, uh, for the most part, I think their roster for 2022 um, is set barring, you know, Jerry Schmidt running off players during spring practice and summer uh, workouts. But for the most part, Oklahoma, I think, has what they can kind of expect to go into spring with. And, you know, there's a few decisions out there late Monday night as we record this. Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg have not committed to Oklahoma. So no clue uh, by the time you're listening to this where they might be at. They might be at Oklahoma. Who knows? But uh, Caleb Williams hasn't even decided where you know he's going or at least made it public. But just kind of a crazy time in college football for OU. And so with today's episode, I wanted to kind of take the time to take stock in this, you know, the state of the program. And no better person to do that with than former Oklahoma defensive back and All-American Zach Sanchez, who was at Oklahoma at the same time I was as a student reporter. Uh, Zach was always super friendly with the media and just was just, you know, one of uh, one of those guys that always thrived in those settings. Very candid and uh, uh, appreciated him uh, during that time and appreciate him now, you know, seven years later, uh, just kind of you know, talking Oklahoma, uh, where the program's at, but just kind of wanted to get into his thoughts about Brent Venables as well as just, you know, his career and uh, a little bit of the mental makeup of OU secondary, what he expects for that group in 2022. It was a fun conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, before getting into that, just want to remind you all that the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast is on all major podcast platforms. And if you use the Apple or the Spotify app, we would love it. If you left us a five-star rating and review, it helps get the word out about the show and for all of you that are not already uh, we do have an eyes on oklahoma newsletter which you can go to eyes and you can subscribe there's a free version there's also a paid version um, no matter what we we appreciate the support that you guys have given us uh, you know through the season and now into the off season so a lot of fun we're you know rolling out more and more ou football content and uh, hopefully we'll have more interviews like this one and so without wasting any more of your time here is zach sanchez Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. It's 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 been a bit since we've spoken. I was a student reporter when you were a player, and now now look at us. You know, every time I think about like 2015 and think about like that being like I guess it's like seven years ago now. Um, yeah. It really really does a number on me thinking about that, but um quite a time for you man a lot of things have changed since then as far as like the OU football program um and I I bring you on today not only just to get your insight as a former player uh but you for people who don't follow you on Twitter need to know that you provide a lot of commentary you've got a lot of thoughts and I thought there was no better person to go to than you um it's it's been a it's been a strange time for Oklahoma Brent Venables, the new head coach, uh, they brought in Jerry Schmidt back as strength and conditioning coach. Um, what do you make of just kind of the last like two months or month and a half of, of Oklahoma football, just kind of seeing this almost kind of, 
you know, nostalgic push toward what OU was kind of during the Bob Stoops era and, you know, bringing a guy like Brent Venables back. I think it was huge, man. Uh, to be honest, I never really wavered or really had um, any doubt. I mean, Joe C is one of the best ADs in the country, period, you know, and I know he listens to, um, obviously, Bob. I'm pretty sure Bob had major input in And then just how many former players that the BV was like immediately, you know, for a lot of us. Um, and me not even being personally coached by him, but him, he's the one that offered me. And that's who I got my offer from. So just that relationship in itself um, and that exchange that we had and knowing what type of player he is and then obviously hearing from the guys that did play under him, um, just how intense it was. And you can just tell that's something we lost, man. Um, you know, the, the whole Lincoln situation was wild. Um, you know, as wild it was as wild as it was for us, I'm sure, in that locker room was ten times, you know, tenfold of, of what just fans and whole uh, alumni were experiencing. But man, I, I'm I couldn't be happy with with the hiring of I mean, obviously BV bringing Schmitty back is huge. Um, you know, obviously having Russ back, um, his number two is is huge. And then the staff that Coach Venables put together is, I mean, it speaks for itself. You know what I'm saying? Like. And that was just one thing. I was like, bro, I'm not worried about it. At the end of the day, it's just Oklahoma. Like, you know, a lot of people can attach blue blood to some of these schools, but even some of these blue bloods that are in the thick of it, I mean, you can really only name us in Bama and, and you know, Georgia has come on late, but that have been in since 2000 through the 2010s, through this decade. Like, you know, we've had some up and down seasons. We haven't been put it, we haven't been able to put it together all together yet, but I think bringing Coach Venables back is is what we needed. Um, you know, and if and obviously you look back at all the national championship teams, the defenses were, you know, the, it, was, it was the defenses that, I wouldn't say won, won those games, but you can tell that front of those teams and, and were the head, head steam of those teams. And and I think we're getting back to that. And I think I think he'll, I think we'll win one within the next three or four years, to be honest with you, because Levy knows what he's doing on that side of the ball. For sure. Um, I, I did want to get kind of just into you with kind of that identity that Oklahoma went away from, I think almost, I don't want to say when you were there, but it felt like there was a transition pro transition process from like those early 2010 teams to like what they were under Lincoln Riley. Uh, before getting into that though, I mean, you, I, I kind of wanted to ask you just a little bit about lead up to your OU career. You mentioned just missing out on Brent Venables. I mean, I think he was uh, Clemson's defensive coordinator either the year that you arrived as a true freshman at OU in 2012. Um, before that though, and I, just cause I, I, you know, I looked you up on Wikipedia cause I just wanted to make sure I had all my facts straight. Um, you were originally committed to Baylor. Is that correct? Yes. What changed with you? Like what, 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 what brought you to Oklahoma? Man, to be honest, uh, I think I, I think I told this story on JD's um, podcast a couple of years ago, but uh, I don't know, man, it was like in the late December. I'm sitting in my car and I just left the field house in my high school and I'm just something on me is just like, man, just call, just call um Venables to see if, you know, see if they're still recruiting DBs. And I called them. It just so happened that they had that big um coaches conference in San Antonio. So he has he had just talked to my head coach, I of all people, um, I think the day before. And, you know, from that point they reviewed my film and then I think he called me back like two days later. And was like, yeah, we're going to offer you, um, you know, I loved you on film, this, that, and the third. And then he called me two days after that and told me he was leaving. Um, but for me at that point, I just, I wanted to offer. It was just something inside me that I just felt like I could play at a big school. Um, you know, that was just one thing I wanted to prove to myself. 
um, that I could do it. And obviously Baylor at that point was on the rise, obviously RG, RG3 and things like that. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. I, I couldn't even tell you where it came from. It was just literally one day I was just sitting in my car. I was like, I'm just going to call him, see where it goes from it. And it kind of just sparked everything. Did you have a really good impression, I guess, of what Brent Venables was at the time? Because I think people do kind of forget. He, I mean, he, he, he was that guy at Clemson, but he was that guy at OU. And I'm curious, just like, what was it like to get that offer from a guy like Brent Venables? What did you think of him at the time as far as the defensive coordinator goes? Um, I mean, obviously that was around that shark era, right? Um, when all the shark stuff had started. So just I you know what it was forgot like. about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But just seeing the guys flying around, like AC, obviously TJ. Um, and I think just I, I just remember the their freshman year when they played Nebraska in the big in the Big 12 championship game. And just seeing how many young guys were on the field flying around. And you could just tell, man, the intensity that they had on defense. And I just wanted to be a part of something like that. Um, and obviously I didn't know too much about him, um, as a coach, but I could just, in the play that I saw, um, kind of just speaks for who they were getting coached by, you know, the type of guy was leading that, that group. So that's what it was for me, man. And then obviously just the, having that sooners across your chest, there's, there's really nothing like it. I was going to say, man, that brings me back. I know you weren't around for it, but you might remember it's been 11 years now, but ESPN did like a full, like kind of like hard knocks thing with Oklahoma. Yeah. And the training camp. Yeah. And I, that I just, anytime someone mentions sharks, I think about like the, the they did a whole segment about it. Um, <laughs> and it feels like looking back on that now, it's just like, it's a whole different world of OU football compared to like what it's been recently. Is it, as a defensive guy, man, is it refreshing? I would assume it would be refreshing to like kind of see OU kind of go back to that identity of being a defensive first football team. hundred percent, man. Like a thousand, a thousand percent. Um, you know, like our defense in 2013 was one of the best, um, obviously in the big 12. And then, you know, we just had guys make plays everywhere. And then again, in 2015, we were able to put it together again, um, you know, and have a pretty good unit there even with a whole bunch of young guys um, on D-line and in the back end. But, yeah, you can definitely see the switch from just how flashy we became after that. Uh, just, I mean, obviously having bringing Lincoln in. Uh, you know, he, you can say what he wanted about the way he left. He's a hell of a coach at the end of the day. He did transform our offense, which is what we did need. Um, but you know how, how it is when you come off at school, everything becomes flashy, social media stuff. Um, and you kind of just kind of get those type of recruits. Um, not really as many hard-nosed guys. Obviously, we've had guys that came in through that era that could play defense. Obviously, K-9, Nev, JT, Steve, all those guys. Um, you know, and then some of these guys now, like Nick, Big Winfrey, you know, all those guys. Um, Brian. So, you know, there's still, they're still a trickle of those guys there. But I think as a unit, it kind of, you know, it was, it was hit or miss throughout the years. Um, and I think having Venables back and especially having Smitty back, I think is the huge, is the biggest, is the biggest part of that. Just from your attitude from a day-to-day basis. Do you have any, uh, Schmitty horror stories that you'd like to vent or, you know, get off your chest? <laughs> Too many. So like my freshman year when we first got there, um, I guess they had a rough winter. So Schmitty just had it out for the DBs. Like we started on the track every day. That was the first, we didn't even warm up. He was just pointing to the track and I'm just like, bro, what the hell's going on? He's like, yeah, he don't like us, bro. So warming up two fifties, we'd run probably like six, six to eight, two fifties. And then we'd go in and start a workout. Like, so that's what I had to come into um, just from that. But I mean, the workouts were 
looking back on him, you could, and like going through the season, you could tell why he does what he does. Um, but like going through it, of course, you hate it. Like, I mean, just the med ball, the med ball partner stuff. And then the worst part would be like at the end of workouts, um, when we do our hip mobility stuff over these <laughs> over these ladders. And I just remember one time, like it had been a rough day. We probably did like five sets of med balls. Dudes were passing out left and right, getting kicked out. And we get down to the ladders or to the hip mobility stuff with the hurdles. And TJ, of course, of all people, is just like clink, clink. He's just saying clink, 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 clink. Like, so of course somebody starts hitting the hitting the hurdles. Gotta go back and do another set of med balls. By this time, like my stomach's cramping up. I don't even know like how I'm still in the workout. So we do another set of 50, go back to the hurdles. TJ still doing it, clink, clink. Like trying to be funny. You know how TJ is, man. Like in my head, I'm like, bro, just shut up, please, just shut up. Again, so we did. We probably did like four more sets of med balls because TJ just wanted to be a jokester, and Smitty did not care. Like he did not care. We ended up all getting kicked out. Had to come back at three o'clock the next day and redo the whole workout because of TJ. So like, I remember TJ, uh, Cheesy was pissed off at TJ. You know, um, another safety we had, Big Jesse was pissed off. Like, but it was just many times like that, bro. It was just some some somebody wanted to be funny and that shit ended up biting us in the ass. But it was all worth it. I would say that. I'm sure you probably haven't given a lot of thought to this, but can you imagine Tony Jefferson in the NIL era of like what he would come up with? Man, I mean, I know y'all still, the YouTube videos are still there when he was a freshman. And like, we in a group message all the time, like we're always getting on his ass about that. Like, what were you thinking, bro? The Kim Kardashian posters, like, could you imagine like him now? I mean, he would have made a chill of money, don't get me wrong, just because of how entertaining he is. You know how animated that guy is? He would have been, he would have killed it. M. Kenny, like the Cali trio alone would have made a million dollars a piece, probably. You know, I just like remember the he did. I mean, that was the time that like Wiz Khalifa's like Black and Yellow was popping off, and he had like the Boomer Sooner remix. Uh, this is like OG, like OU Twitter stuff, but like he, I think he started a podcast and then compliant shut it down. I'm pretty sure. I can't um, remember, but that I'm pretty sure that's right. But Tony Jeff was to watch. We mentioned the ESPN, you know, hard knocks kind of thing that they did. Tony Jefferson in that is just, it's, it's terrific. He's just, he's a character. He is a hundred percent, bro. Like, and like, we just joke about it now. Like he's married, has kids. Like we just, we were like, bro, I never thought I'd see the day that you were married and have kids and actually serious about something. Like, so, but it's good. I mean, I'm just glad to see him back in the league balling again, but TJ is number one, bro. Number one character obviously um to kind of go back a little bit you mentioned kind of the the guys that have come through as far as just oh you've been an offensive team but they produce a lot of you know high profile defensive guys in the nfl like a like a kenneth murray uh, neville gallimore you at the time you know w- with with guys like charles tapper eric striker um dominique alexander um you got i feel like you guys were a little bit of a foundation for as far as just getting OU defense back. And I don't want to like misquote you. Cause I remember talking to you back in 2015, I think it was early in the season. You guys were, I think still undefeated at this point. And I was doing a story about like kind of the defensive resurgence from 2014. And you kind of talked about the, the defense getting more serious, just as far as the, the leadership, what was it like playing with, with that group, like an Eric Stryker, like a tapper? I mean that, I don't think people think about that 2015, uh, that 2015 team a whole lot, just as far as like being a defensive juggernaut. But I mean, you guys are the ones who kept when, you know, Baker Mayfield was still kind of figuring things out, kept OU in those football games. 
if, I mean, just honestly, bro, it was just the, everything that went through, um, you know, that offseason, uh, you know, with the frat stuff, the SAE stuff, we just became a whole unit. And then that was just one thing, like, when Strike, Tap, and Shep didn't leave, um, and then, you know, obviously, if they would have left, I would have been gone too, to be honest. But them staying, um, me, Strike, and Tap all moving in together, we were just like, but we can't we can't have a repeat of last year. Like that's just we're not going out like that. We all knew at that time that this was our last year together. And it was just a decision that we made. Like we weren't we weren't gonna go through that shit again. Like that was just unacceptable on all ends. So we just we made it our obligation to the young guys, like, look, bro, we we told them straight up, this was like during winter workouts, and I told all the DBs, like, I'm out of here. So like every everything we put in is, you know, to get obviously to the playoffs. That was the first year of the playoffs or second year maybe, but I was like, everything we put in, whether it be winter, summer, I'm going to ask everything. I'm going to bust y'all's ass. I'm going to be on y'all's ass. I want y'all to get on my ass. Like, And that was just one thing. We all held each other accountable. Um, you know, we never slacked. Me, tap, strike. We made sure that we were the head of everything um, and that we set an example. And, man, we just had a group, a good group of young guys, like obviously Ahmad, Steve, and then when JT and them got there in the summer, they just hopped right, right along. And, um, there was just no drop off, man. And we just set we just set the tone, like, cause man, 2014 was just it was atrocious. Like, <laughs> you know, especially being a defensive guy, being a DB, like our pass defense, it was just, it was just bad all the way around. So we just, you know, we we had a mindset from the jump. And obviously Smitty, he was like, that shit's, you know, he was like, Y'all are y'all are here in Oklahoma, that shit is not acceptable. So um, you know, we just had to make a decision and um and now that, that's one thing we used to talk about today. We're just proud that we were able to set that foundation to run into those six straight Big 12 titles, you know. Um, whether those those defenses, you know, people can talk about it or not, they, they still were good enough to win Big 12 titles and, and get into playoff games. Um, you know, but it was just – it's always been like every year, like we couldn't piece everything together. Um, you know, our 2015 year, our O-line was – damn, they're all freshmen. You know, that was Zeus and all them freshman year, and they were going against three or four first-rounders on Clemson's D-line. So – it was just tough, man. It's just like we could never obviously put it all together. But um, just going back to that 2015 offseason, it was just so much that we went through as a team that just set us up for that year. And you could just feel it throughout the offseason, through summer workouts, um, that it was just going to be one of those years. So it was just really good to, to be um, the head of that, especially on the defensive side. To just to, to take a step back for a second, I mean, you mentioned just, you know, if uh, a few guys had left, um, what, I mean, were, were, was a guy like Shep, was a, I think you might have mentioned Stryker, but like, was that just a product of what had happened that offseason where we're just guys thinking about going to the pros? I mean, to be honest, I, it wasn't for all of us. It wasn't even though, like, even thinking about the NFL, our main thing was like, we want to win it. We want to win a national championship and obviously a big 12, uh, big 12 championship before we get out of here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like TJ and all them, AC, they've experienced that, you know, as, as being big 12 champs. And obviously we won. We split one our freshman year, but, you know, we didn't feel like that was ours. So, like, we wanted to leave our stamp there. And, and to be able to win that Big 12 championship and then obviously going to the playoffs that first year was just huge for us. That was the main goal, man, is to get there and obviously win, um, which we came up short. But uh, it was never no, man, we're doing this for the league or anything like that. It's like, now nah, we're getting this to put OU back where it needs to be at the forefront of college football. And that was just the mindset. Like, nobody was thinking about their own selfish stuff or their own personal goals. It was everybody collectively was worried about winning. 
gotcha gotcha i, I mean i just i remember that time and you know 2014 it it's and it's not like you guys were and i'm not just saying all this stuff to like gas you up because you're on my podcast but in 2014 you had so many close games that could have went differently um I, I looking back i think like you know kansas state oklahoma state uh just a bunch of just like kind of one one possession games could have could have went either way you guys put it together in 2015 um just as far as you know winning a big 12 title and getting the getting that orange bowl a bit banged up i mean if you want to if you want to put the asterisk yeah. on it because i remember being on the the shuttle from fort lauderdale going down to miami gardens and like getting a text from someone's like hey charles walker's not playing i'm like well that's not going to be good <laughs> that hurt us so much man yeah, that was huge. That was a huge loss for us. Was that? I mean, just that that season overall, because I, you know, I think you know, Joe Mixon got hurt in that game, or at least was hurt, you know, pretty early in that game. I think even Baker got a little banged up in that game. Just was that just kind of like, I don't want to say the wheels falling off in a negative way, but just like it just felt like you guys mm-hmm. kind of everything that you guys gave that season just kind of felt like, you know, kind of just fell apart in that one. Yeah, it's just, I mean, when that injury bug hits you, it's just, it's really never, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, it's just bad timing, you know, on our end. Um, you know, we think about, you think about those last three games, uh, you know, and some of the teams that we faced and the injuries that they had, the big injuries that they had, um, that people think would have made a difference, probably would have made the games more entertaining, but I still, to this day, I don't, nobody, none of those three teams were beating us regardless of who was playing and who wasn't. Um, but then, you know, we just got a taste of that medicine in our biggest game of the year. Um, which was tough, man. But you know that's that's part of the game, uh, and it just happens. Shit, it's just something you can't control. I just—it's one of those things where it felt like you know that was um, it, you kind of mentioned the the pieces just kind of all kind of coming together. It did feel like you know maybe if that defense is playing with that 2016 group, where you know Mixon and P Ryan have a year together in the backfield, Baker's a little bit year year older. You, you you've got more experience. That maybe it comes together. Um, but, you know, kind of looking forward to like what you what Oklahoma has now. It, it's obviously I think is, like you said, kind of spearheaded that, you know, it was the first of six. Um, and now Oklahoma trying to get back to where they were as far as, you know, losing out on a chance to play for a Big 12 championship game. Just you mentioned you've talked you speak really highly of Brent Venables. But I mean, as far as like just roster goes, I mean, do, do you see that talent there to kind of just, you know, not miss much of a beat going into 2022? Is it, is it too hard to tell when, you know, the transfer portal and all this stuff is kind of just kind of going crazy? Yeah, I mean, from the outside looking at you, you can only base it off what you've seen during the season. Um, I mean, in the secondary, I think a lot of those guys next year will be a whole lot better. I think they'll be a whole lot tougher. I'm not saying that they're not tough guys now, but I think, Shit, an offseason with Smitty's, it's going to bring something different out of you. You know what I'm saying? Which is which is a good thing. Um, and then, you know, I'm excited about a lot of guys who got in the transfer portal. Um, you know, and obviously seeing them and them getting continuity with the guys that are there. But it's definitely there. I mean, the, ta- the talent is going to be there. Um, it's just about getting it out of those guys, you know, getting the maximum uh, potential out of, out of your guys while you have them. And I think Brent can do that, especially defensively. And obviously Smitty's going to do that. Um, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, any any type of feeling you have, he's going to do that um, during the offseason. But it's definitely there, man. Like, there's not – I mean, you know, we talk about the recruiting classes and things like that, but, man, this is Oklahoma. You know, you come here for a reason, you get recruited here for a reason, and they offer you for a reason. So you, everybody's definitely capable in that room. It's just digging inside of those guys and getting the battle. 
And I would imagine, I mean, a big part of that is just like having some of those older guys like a, like a Woody Washington, you know, DJ Graham leading that room. Uh, OU has brought in quite a few. I think they brought in three uh, defensive back uh, transfers over like the last week. Just having that kind of experience, I'm curious. Just I, I feel like I know what, you know, just kind of knowing how competitive you were at Oklahoma, just what's that do for a room? And like, Hey, we've got three guys coming in that are going to be gunning for those jobs. What does that do for a DB room? That is, you know, experience a lot of ridicule. I think I, I, and at points, rightfully so. I think other times it's just like, you know, it's the big 12 guys are going to make plays. There's six foot five dudes. You're not going to win every battle, but what, what does that do for a DB room? And you kind of see, you know, we've got, we've got other talent coming in and they're going to be trying for those spots. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has to up the, the competition level, you know, day in and day out, workouts, um, you know, skellies, things like that, one-on-ones, it has to up your competition. Um, and I think you'll see you'll see it from the guys next year in the fall who, who would up their competition and who kind of just was okay with being here at OU and just, you know, going through the motions. Um, but that should, I mean, and it's not a bad way, it's not a negative way because they'll get close with those guys that transferred in. Um, in your position group, you'll get close, but it has to bring a level of competition that you have to go at it every day. Me and JT would have competition every day in practice. Who's going to get their hands on the most balls? You know, who's most interceptions as a whole DB group? Um, you know, the safeties would have their own thing, but me and JT would push each other in that aspect and things like that. And then it's just studying together, man. I know every day after practice, we were watching film, like, and that was something that I headed, um, you know, and it's just things like that, little things like that make such a huge difference. Um, for, for the younger guys, for guys that are just coming in, and just from continuity as a group. So I think it's going to up the competition level. I think it's great, it's huge um, for those guys, especially for the younger guys, them coming with some experience and, you know, have played played a lot of snaps at their respective schools. So it's good, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, I talk to DJ every, every once in a while. I, mean, I haven't hit him yet. I'm going to let him get his first couple of weeks of Smitty in um, and get his mind right. But I'm going to talk to him in a little bit. But it's good, man. I think it's huge for us. I think it's really good for us. I was going to say, I, I don't mean to kind of put you on the spot, but I, you know, it, it's kind of always hit or miss with like how much alumni are in touch with like who the current players are, but is there, is there anyone on that, in that secondary that you're just like really just excited for, I guess, going into 2022 that you think might have uh, a breakout year, or at least like become more of a household name for Oklahoma? Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm a little biased because DJ, you know, we went to the same high school and it's like my little brother, um, but Woody, man, I'm excited for Woody. Um, I'm excited for Justin. You know, coming back six years deep, I'm excited. I'm excited for him. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's a whole bunch of young guys, you know, that were plug and play last year that that I'm excited to see um, how they do over the offseason. You know, once you get a taste of it, man, of that feeling of playing, like, it don't leave. Like, I, I know my first start, like, I was like, bro, I don't ever want to get off this field. Like, I, I love this feeling of playing ball. So once you get a taste of it, man, and, of course, those guys have made plays. Woody's made plays. JB's made plays. DJ's made plays. Um, it's just bringing the rest of the group up. Obviously, Jaden Davis has made plays as well. So just getting those guys' confidence back. Um, and I think I think all three of them will have a big year. I think they'll all contribute in big ways. Um, and they'll learn, obviously, from the mistakes that they had this year, which is that's normal. That's what you're supposed to do. You're going to get beat in this game. That's one thing I tell them all the time. Like, bro, the only corner I ain't got beat is the one that's on the sideline. So shake that shit off and, and be ready to make a play when, when you know it's called the next time. I was going to say, I don't mean to, you know, <laughs> call out any of my fellow media members, but I, I do feel like there, there are guys that kind of get, you know, not it kind of labeled as just, you know, like that, that guy's just not up to par. And I think you saw that a little bit this past year with a guy like Justin Broyles, who really proved just like 
why he belongs on, on the team. How much, uh, I'm curious, just from being part of those OU defenses and just being a defensive back in general, really, but like how much is that kind of like that mental makeup add to what you're doing? And, you know, I, I guess just it feels like sometimes people cast aside players and it seems like it's irreparable, like that they're never going to come back from what they were. But how much of, I guess, that that DB mentality, like, do you see that in those guys like like a you know what what Oklahoma has as far as just like this is this is not as bad as everyone I guess maybe talks about? Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think like obviously you brought up JB. Um, I mean he's kinda like me, man. He's he's been through the heater. So I like I and like I tell us that like bro, I've been first hand, trust me, I know. Like I've had those games, I've 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 heard it all, I've seen it all. You just you just gotta have short term, especially the position we play, like. That shit's gonna happen, bro. Like it's inevitable. You can play your best game and still have two bad plays on a game. That's all people are gonna remember. So it's just it's just knowing that, like, and it's just it's bigger than yourself too. At the same time, you know, you can't get into personal battles with whether it be you know journalists or fans, and that's what they that I I did early on, and you know I would go back and forth with, with guys, and I just tell them I was like, bro, let me talk the shit for you. Like, don't worry about. I was like, trust me, I'm gonna talk enough for all of y'all in that room. Like, don't don't worry about it. Let me handle it. Um, you know, that's kind of what I just tell DJs. Like, it just comes with the territory. It comes with the position. If you play DB quarterback, you know you're gonna get it regardless, good, bad, and ugly. You're gonna see it all. Um, but you gotta just tune the shit out, man, and, and get back to knowing what you're doing, doing what you do, and making plays and just having fun. Like, don't worry about nothing outside noise. Just just worry about what you got in front of you. I guess I bring all that up. Just I do feel like there's a little bit of a, a disconnect between like I guess what fans see, what what a player sees. I saw your tweet uh today, Monday, as we record this, that you were talking about just you know, people that think that college football is better than the NFL just don't know what they're talking about. Which, you know, I think I think I like know what you're getting at just as far as just like talent wise. Yeah. Like for me, I'm just like college football is more entertaining, but I can't sit here and objectively say that this football is is better than what is putting being put out in the NFL. But I do feel like there is a huge disconnect as far as just like what you see, what the fans see. And I I, I kind of go back to like even your I, I remember uh, and I only remember I, I only remember this really because I was uh, flying back from the Orange Bowl 2015. You put out your announcement um, and, you know, th- th- there's fans that are going to be like, you know, like, you know, kind of say some out of pocket yeah. stuff to you. Yeah. Um, but all of your teammates are like, you know, in your like replies, you know, just congratulating you. And I feel like there's a little bit of a, you know, fans just like not understanding like that you guys are teammates and that you have a goal in mind as far as getting to the next level. And it makes a lot more sense knowing that, you know, you had kind of laid out that that was going to be your last year. Yeah. Is, is there anything that you kind of wish that fans like just something you wish you could articulate to fans that just don't get, as far as just like something that they might overlook not being in your shoes? Um, I mean, it's just like, and I, I got to catch myself sometimes too, you know, just speaking on things because you don't know like the scheme of things, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't know if a guy has seen a look during that week and, you know, so it's just a whole bunch that goes into Saturday. Like fans only see what happens in those two and a half hours on Saturday. Right. You know, they don't see the process of that Monday through Friday um, dog work that, that these guys put in. And I'm like, for me, with college, like talking about NFL guys is one thing. Okay, they're grown men, they're professionals. I'm, I can understand it. Like, but these at the end of the day, these are still 18, 19 year old, 20 year old kids, like playing in front of millions of people, and people just feel entitled to feel a certain way about how a teenager is playing. And I, I just can't in my head, like, I don't, I can't grasp that. 
Um, but it's just, I don't think they understand how serious it is to these kids. Like this isn't just um, a Saturday where they tailgate and they go get drunk and watch a game with their friends. Like no, this is their livelihood. This is something that they've done their whole life. Um, whether it's good, bad, ugly, they're put in there. I, I, I promise you they care more about what happens on that field than you do. So you can go brag about the water cooler shit on Monday to your friends at work. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there's disconnect fans think they feel like they care more about winning than some of these players are on the field. And I'm like, that's the most asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, even if you feel like a guy isn't giving his best effort or whatever you may feel like is going on with him or he just doesn't care that he's out there, I just, like, wish they could wipe that from their brain. Like, there's there's nothing – nobody works harder than those people that are in that building. Um, you know, from the training staff, the coaches, players, everybody, strength staff. It's, I mean, it's just – it's a 24-7 thing. Like, so that's just really my biggest thing. Just understand at the end of the day, these are kids. They're not grown men, you know, like – these are kids still trying to tune up their game and learn the game and, and get to the next level. Um, and don't just think like these kids are entitled to make you feel good about a win on a Saturday. Like that's not their job. And they're not worried about that at the end of the day. So, but you know, some fans just, they feel, they feel the way they feel and it's just how they're going to be. You know, some fans like that, most, most of them aren't, but there are ones that feel like this. So. I didn't mean to get too philosophical or anything with, with you on no. this pod, but it does kind of, I mean, bring me to, just kind of where I want to end it. I mean, I feel like with you, especially just kind of seeing it on your Twitter, like you're very much still in support of the university of Oklahoma. I would imagine uh, being there from 2012 to 2015, you have some, you know, type of admiration for your time there and just kind of look back on it fondly. But I mean, you, you mentioned just kind of throughout the pod, just uh, you know, this is Oklahoma and uh, seeing kind of what I think we've seen over the past month and a half of Brett Venables coming back, you know, Bob Stoops coming out of retirement to coach a bowl game, which where else does that happen than Oklahoma? We'll exactly. I, mean, I I can't think of it. I mean, maybe there's like two other schools that could pull someone off the sidelines that out of retirement to, to come coach, coach a bowl game that would be willing to, but it's, right. it's a rare thing. Um, but as you kind of look back at, I guess at OU, I'm just, what is it if, just to kind of more focus in on that, just kind of general general idea of like what Oklahoma means to you. What what did that time mean to you? Because you had some big moments, you had some big plays. Um, I'm curious, just kind of how you look back at all that. Man, it's it's like uh, it was huge, man. It was just huge for me developing as a player, as a man. Um, you know, just going through things through football, things off the field. Um, I just, man, I, I can't even, like, put into words how important those four years were for me, the relationships, the people I met, uh, like my brothers, you know, Strike, Chef, Tap, just that whole class, the younger guys, Jordan, Dom, you know, Oboe. That, for me, like, that's the biggest thing, man, is seeing those guys like Nev, um, those younger cats that were there, like, go on and, and be, you know, what they are now. It's just, like, it's huge, man. Like, that makes me feel better than anything. Um, you know, so I just, to be honest, I just wanted to leave my mark. Um, on those guys, um, you know, leave my mark on the fans that cared about it, um, and just know, like, shit, I put everything. There was, there wasn't a game that I wasn't that I wasn't out that I was healthy that I wasn't out there. Um, whether it was we were getting beat by forty or whether we were up by forty, you know, um, I was there. Like, I gave my everything. It was so important to me, man. Like, Coach Bob, Coach Mike were were huge influences on me. Um, Smitty, obviously, just mentally, like, I had never been pushed to that to those depths in my life. So um, it was just life, life changing for me. Um, and just open, it opens your eyes, man. I think just the experience of college in itself is a lot of people miss out on it, but 
I was just I was just blessed enough to be there um, and to be around the guys that I did, the coaches that I was there with. And I, I, was, I wouldn't trade it for nothing, man. It was just it was a, the best phase of my life. And I tell these guys that are like leaving for the league, I'm like, bro, you're going to get money. You're going to be able to see things and um, go experience things. But I'm telling you, you're going to work. You can remember those times in college where y'all broke. Everybody's, you know, in the same house and stuff like that. Like you can remember those times more than anything um, that you do now. Obviously, I mean, until, you know, you have kids and a wife and all that good stuff. But those were, you know, those were just great days for everybody involved. And that does it for today's pod. Appreciate Zach for coming on the program to catch up and talk some OU football. Always a good conversation with him. Appreciate you all for making us a part of your day. And as I said up top, if you're not already subscribed to the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast, you can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as subscribe to the newsletter, eyesonoklahoma.com. Click that button in the middle of the screen, get you signed up for free emails, or you can put pay for the, for the paid version, which uh, gives you more content uh, if you are so inclined. So with that said, appreciate you guys once again for, for listening and we will be back again next week to talk some more of you football, talk about national signing day as that quickly, quickly approach it. So from eyes on Oklahoma, my name is Joe Irwin Bettner and we will catch you next time.